to any time. And um, I, I had a question. I was thinking about it, you know, over the last couple of weeks when we've been talking, you know, what was the first moment when you decided to do this? Um, all the work that you've been doing at Humber College, you know, what was that point where you said that you wanted to make a difference and actually um, start advocating for period poverty? Well, like, there are two different moments. So I would say the first moment where I realized I wanted to do something on campus, um, that was when I was seeing, like, the vice presidents that were in my year just, like, dancing it out at Frost Week. And I was like, I want to be them. And then I heard more about their position and what they did, and I found out that they do more than just, you know, hyping up the student body, but they really do make a difference on campus and just hearing the students' voices. Um, so that was like my one thing. And that's really what jump-started my, I guess, love or interest in the vice president role. Then I went out was time to submit nominations. I was trying to figure out like, what was I gonna run, what, what am I running for? What is my platform? Like, what can I offer to the table? And I was thinking about it for like a couple of weeks. And one day, I just remember I was I got my period. I was like in between classes. I remember I was trying to rush over to my finance class that I so much dreaded. And <laughs> I realized I had no products. And I'm just like a very silly girl <laughs> where I just always forgot like my pad and tampons. And that's when it just hit me that we should be having free pad and tampons on campus. And, and that's just that was just like uh, my start to researching and understanding more about menstruation. I learned like, I, that's when I realized even at the age of, I think I was, I don't know, 19 or something like that, that man, why am I paying for patent tampons? Like it didn't hit me until my early, later, like um, early adult years to that. Yeah. I'm paying for menstruation um, is so wrong. And that's when I just started to go ahead and like start advocating I realized when you walk into a washroom, everything is free, but pad and tampons. Um, so stuff yeah, like that. yeah, for sure. And that's definitely true. And I, I think I've seen that at, you know, all campuses and I've definitely heard it. The biggest problem was there's no accessibility. It's mm -hmm. very hard to get these items. And there's so many other products in bathrooms and at schools available. But, you know, feminine hygiene products, they're just not in the picture or not included in the conversation. So, you know, you started these, you started having the packs, I know, that you gave out and you started this, you know, huge, amazing program <laughs> at Humbert College um, to advocate for this issue. You know, what was the impact of that project? You know, what's going on there now today uh, with menstruation? It is unbelievable. So when I first started the project, um, I had to launch it as a pilot project. So it wasn't even considered a permanent project yet. I had to prove to the student body, to the school, to the student union that this is a permanent product, a permanent service that needs to stay on campus for students. Um, and in the first like first month, we had already gone through almost two thousand products, like kits given out to students and with every single package we had a survey that was on there and by the end of it we got 400 students with 99 percent like positive feedback saying yes like this is a good service this is what we need and then um then it finally became a permanent project afterwards then after that i had left and my very grateful that the article went out i never thought <laughs> <laughs> i and funny enough 
the reporter just messaged me and asked me for an interview and I said yes not realizing where it was gonna go after that yeah um very thankful went on to so many different media outlets my mom is (laughs) very happy (laughs) um but after that Procter and Gamble actually donated an extra ten thousand products over to Ignite wow. Humber College, um, and that was able to support them. Now, fast forward to present time, right now, they're actually one um, starting to put menstruation products in dispensers in the all, all the washrooms. So when I left my role, I had to create a transition action plan that, like, I have to prepare the next vice presidents after yeah. me to continue the project. So. They got free dispensers on campus. And then now they're trying to offer Diva Cups. And in the midst of the pandemic, they're actually even mailing out these products out to students. That's actually really, really cool that it started from something just small like that and it's grown so much bigger. And that's actually really cool about the pandemic because, you know, um, I'm kind of similar story if you, a lot smaller of a college um, as a vice president of services there. And when I ran this program, um, when I left, I was thinking about the pandemic and I was wondering how students were getting things like these, their services and these products. So that's really cool that you're actually uh, mailing them out to students as well. And also that students were so accepting of that and that there was an actual need. Um, And I kind of found something similar at, you know, my college. I didn't think there was a need um, at all. I didn't even know what the need was to begin with when I first started this huge um, journey and someone told me about the need. And, you know, once we started providing um, products at the college, you know, they were going really fast and Mm -hmm. people were needing them. And it's just that they were never, they never had access to them before. Mm -hmm. So, you know, no one actually knew of the problem. And I guess I was a little bit lucky enough uh, that I didn't have to go through. It sounds as much a process as you. I, it's such a small college. I'm lucky enough to say if I uh, need something done, I just have the authority to kind of do it and buy the products. But that's really good that uh, the program and project stuck and got so big. Yeah. And it's kind of propelled into this giant movement as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, how did you do it on, on your campus? Like, how were students, like, uh, grabbing it, I guess? Yeah. So, I mean, I started out at a point of, you know, zero knowledge around the subject at all. It was actually there's a nursing program at the college and they were doing a fundraiser. And actually one day I was just walking through the hallway and they were having a bake sale on. Um, and this bake sale was for uh, the proceeds or proceeds were going towards Harbor House, which is a safe place for women and children in Halifax and Bridgewater, Nova Scotia. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically I, I got talking to them and they ended up having um, someone come in, a representative from Harbor House, and they were talking about this term period of poverty. And I had no idea what they were talking about. Never heard about it in my life before. Um, And, you know, they started talking about it and saying there was a real problem. And it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just countries around the world that don't necessarily have resources. This was a huge problem here in, you know, a first world country and in the communities and colleges around us. Um, And it was kind of hitting every single level. Um, So that's when I really decided to, you know, put some money into this because we had money left over and thought if we're going to do something good, let's provide a service that has never been provided before Um, and started buying, you know, more of these products. And the reception was really good. Yeah. People started 
using them all the time. They were, I mean, going off the shelves, which is a good sign uh, to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one thing I do kind of regret at that moment is not having some education behind it because that's where I was really lacking. You know, when I started this whole project, um, my kind of idea was, okay, let's fill the shelves with these products and we will, you know, solve the issue at the campus, which is kind of uh, short thinking if I, if I think about it for a while because it's, you know, that's not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. It's so much bigger mm-hmm. than just, you know, making the products accessible. And there's this huge stigma that I had no idea about. Um, you know, coming from myself, I, I don't think I really gave it any thought or had a stigma myself. And, and maybe that's because I grew up with so many people around me, especially so many uh, amazing women around me and my family. Um, so I think that could be part of the reason where those conversations were kind of normal. Um, but yeah, there's this huge world with a huge stigma that I had little experience too. Um, but I know from earlier discussions, you were talking about the first time you were starting this project um, and you offered one of these packs or maybe it was a product to a student and they dropped it in front of you. <laughs> Can you tell me more about that again? Yeah, so I'll, I don't, I will never forget that moment. Um, but for me, we made sure as a promotional team to go out and do a number of different campaigns um, to really not only give light to the free free access that we're providing students, but to also let students understand um, that we are trying to break down the stigma against menstruation. And we did that a number of different ways. And on this day in particular, we had this big banner, like a big pull-up banner with sticky notes provided to students. And we asked students like, hey, if you want a free menstrual kit, just fill out a sticky note on like, um, maybe a comment or an insp- or quote or anything on breaking down the stigma from menstruation. So you'll see things like um, period power or girl power or all these things. Um, and this guy, as we we're just handing up kits to students, um, I handed him one. <laughs> Lucky he hit me, but I handed him one and he's like, yo, what's this? And I was like, oh, um, it's like a free menstrual kit that you can pass on to someone. And he literally um, dropped it in front of me and backed away with his hands up. And he's like, no, I don't want any of that. And I just had to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, it, it's not that serious. I mean, serious, but like, you don't need to be like that. Yeah. And I basically just said like, hey, man, you don't know like what some people in your classrooms or your friends or your family members are going through when they have like their period cycle and um, what we're trying to do here is that we're trying to normalize it we're trying to normalize the idea that um, this is a this is part this is a normal bodily function that we need to start accepting this into society and some of those comments and I was like how about you pick up the kit and you pass it along to a friend that's going to need it because you never know if that person um, ha- doesn't have enough money to purchase them. You, what if they had their period and they don't have it on campus and that causes them stress? At the end of yeah. the day, you want to just be a good person. He's like, all right, man. <laughs> and he took it. So I don't know what he did afterwards, but. Well, that's no, that's moments. good. Yeah, that's that's good. You have those conversations and, and right there, you, you probably broke a barrier because, you know, most people aren't, there's a lot of people that still aren't willing to talk about it, you know, or accept the reality that, you know, period poverty isn't something that's, you know, far away from us. It's in our, you know, own communities, our schools, and even family and friends 
are dealing with it all the time. So, no, that's really good that you had the conversation with them and, you know, kind of broke down that little barrier. And now they're, <laughs> they probably learned something new after that day. They probably had no idea. So that's cool that you gave them a different perspective. And, you know, like looking at the stigma, did you, you know, face any other kind of, um, I guess, kind of opposition from you doing this? Or was it mostly all support? Um, so I would say majority of, of it was a lot of support. But I think what I um, had to deal with was people not liking the fact, or sorry, they didn't enjoy the way I was putting it out to students. So basically, we didn't put them into dispensers, right? The idea of breaking down the stigma, I partnered that up with the way we we're going to present it out to students. So basically, we built these stands, these fiscal stands that were outside of different areas of the campus. So we had one in our student union office, one in the health center, one in the LGBTQ center, and one of them in the administration office. And the idea was I wanted students to feel comfortable with one, picking it up, um, picking the kits up in public and not being worried about it and just having them out there in display. And the idea was that was, I don't want to hide it. I don't want to hide menstruation in the bathrooms or in the dispensers. Currently right now they are back in the dispensers, but that beginning part was us trying to break down that wall to our student body, letting them understand that this is here. This is now part of our services. Then we moved it into the in-person into the washrooms. You can still actually access them um, in person through those stands, but that was really the idea and students or sorry, faculty members believe students were going to steal it like all of them and patch them into their bags and dip and leave but in my heart (laughs) maybe I had too much trust but in my heart I was like if a student needed more than one um so be it because in each package there was only like two pads and two tampons that is not going to last um any female or any person that menstruates um a day's worth of menstruating right so yeah let alone a person who menstruates for an entire week. So that was one big thing. Yeah, for sure. And I, I definitely think that's important. And actually, I was talking with someone uh, from the school system here in Nova Scotia, and they were talking about how they were trying to actually put these products out to normalize it around other students. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes the products were in the washrooms and they were only um, in what we call the girls washroom and although they should be in a general area where everyone can access them because not everyone that has a period is going to be going into that washroom so I think that was kind of important notice that they were bringing out those items so people can see them all the time and not be this hidden item that should stay away because I feel like that's kind of what these items are now um I, I see you know there's guys around that are afraid to go to the store to pick up feminine hygiene products. Yeah. I think that is super silly. Uh, but I think that's part of the stigma is that, you know, if they're seen somehow carrying one of those that, you know, means something, um, which I think is ridiculous. Um, so I think that's really good that you were actually trying to get those products out mm-hmm. there. And and you're right, definitely, people are taking them. Um, that's kind of the system I went with. I kind of put them out, and you could take as many as you want, because oftentimes, um, you know, someone wasn't coming in and taking all of this, yeah. you know, the stock at once. And, you know, it, people really appreciate it. From what I heard, um, they appreciate having those products and services on the campus. So 
you know, I was happy to give it to them um, and happy uh, for the program. So that's really cool mm-hmm. that you were doing that um, and haven't received, you know, kind of too much backlash from the stigma. And, you know, that's something that I see a little bit more here in Nova Scotia. Um, when I expanded the project kind of to the rural areas, I did see um, a lot of people, you know, not wanting to have that conversation. Um, so it's definitely cool that you're doing stuff. But my question is for you, you know, how would you, you know, recommend someone to talk about, you know, period of poverty in an area where it's not quite accepted yet? Yeah. You know, how how do I get people involved? Because, you know, even as a person, I've said many times that, you know, I still, you know, have so much to learn. So, um, you know, what, what could someone like me do to bring that conversation to people that aren't quite there yet on accepting it? For sure. I think one of the most important things to understand when you're about to approach an audience um, about the menstruation product or project is to understand like the history of it. Like there is a reason why it's become such a taboo, even in our present day life, like back in the day. And I, please don't fact check me because I'm speaking out of what I have memory of. But um, back in the day, persons who menstruate, like females, weren't allowed to cook. During that week, they couldn't cook. They couldn't come to the house. They couldn't go to church. They couldn't pray. Um, They were considered dirty. Um, Kids who started menstruation were considered um, able to become adults and be married off. Um, There's so many little things that we have to understand why why in our present day life, it is such a taboo. Persons who menstruate back in the day, I would say women, were treated very poorly for menstruating um, and weren't allowed to do a number of different things, which is why now females may feel like um, not open to speak about it, just have to endure it because they don't want to be stopped um, in their tracks at work or anything like that. So when you're meant like approaching a crowd, like I remember one time I had to um, speak at a leadership conference for other student unions. And I, I just yeah. heard in the back of my head, like students didn't want to come because they're like, well, that's not going to help me. And I don't really think about this and I don't think it's a problem. And to be honest, at the end of the day, when I'm speaking to these people, I'm speaking out of personal experience, you know, it's trying to relate to them. So for students, as I'm approaching student body, I was like, well, you got to figure out rent. Maybe you got to figure out car payments. If you have a car food on a table, Um, tuition is the biggest thing. Why is that even last? But like tuition, (laughs) Um, and just like general, like textbooks and stuff like that, you may have moved out of your parents' house in August, and now you've been living in the student housing from September to October. You finish all your product menstrual kits that you got from your parents, and now you're like, oh my god, I have to buy this too. Like I have to buy toilet paper and menstrual kits. So yeah, it's stuff like that. It's telling people like um, they're not cheap. And good quality ones are expensive. And I have to add on an extra 30 bucks or depending on your flow. Um, For some people, they need to understand that there's people who flow for only two days or people who flow for a whole week and heavily. So they need more products, meaning they need to spend more money. So it's telling people like, how would you how would it feel if you um, didn't have enough money for toilet paper that day? Um, What are you going to do? You're not going to go to the washroom. And then you tell stories about how, especially when we're talking about period poverty, 
persons who are on who are homeless would use rags instead of um, proper products and then get infections or they would have to figure out how to get some paper towels from a restaurant roll it up into a tampon and keep it in their bodies um, I think a lot of people don't understand what people go through when it comes to menstruation um, when we're talking about taboo people who menstruate tend to have to hide their pad and tampons in their pockets in their sleeves so they can go to the washroom they don't want to show people that they're menstruating why do i why am i still embarrassed about my pad and tampons yeah yeah for sure yeah i think that's a good point i liked how you talked about you know the cost of other things and you know even thinking about food and water, you know, and today, if someone didn't have food and water at a school or in their house, it wouldn't be acceptable mm-hmm. at all. Um, yet, you know, these products, they're essential, just like food and water, yet they don't go, you know, um, many people don't have access to them, and especially young people. And you're right, you know, oftentimes, there's some people that have access to these products with their family, but once they go to college or university or after, they may not have the money to afford this after they get tuition, you know, books and car expenses. There's so many other expenses. And, you know, I was talking with someone when I did the project um, in rural Nova Scotia of providing the feminine hygiene products. And they said, you know, the products are quite expensive and that's just a small part of it because some people need certain medications also. And some people can only eat certain types of food because they get sick as well. So there's a whole bunch of different added expenses on top of this one thing that may not seem giant. It adds up quite a Mm -hmm. bit um, and a lot. And there's some families, something that I've seen a lot in rural Nova Scotia is a lot of the times there's a lot of young people that their families can't even afford them. Um, So, you know, they were telling me how there was people not coming to school for days and even over a week because they have no access to these products at the school and they have no access to them at Mm -hmm. home because they can't afford that. They can barely afford food. And if you can't afford food, you're not going to be buying those products. Um, So I think that's a really important way of putting it is how, you know, you want to eat food every single day. Well, there's also other essential products that people need every day. So that's, that's a really cool way um, to put it. And yeah, they're, they are incredibly expensive. And uh, one thing to look at is just think about how much you spend if you go to university or college and imagine having to, you know, add another expense mm-hmm. on top of that. It's just unsustainable. Exactly. So you have to choose. Yeah, like it, some people have to choose food or menstruation. And like, obviously, they're going to choose food, too. And I'm there is a statistic. It's a little bit dated now, but they said in a lifetime, a person who menstruates spends over $18,000 in a lifetime. That number has definitely skyrocketed, one, because of inflation, um, and two, because the products have gotten more expensive. And in that number, it includes not only menstruation products, but it includes medications, heat pads, underwear, because it ruins your underwear if you missed, um, chocolate sometimes even, like things you buy, you you would buy on your period, but wouldn't buy it in normal life just to support yourself. Yeah, for sure. And it's expensive and and people don't think about it also. Um, You know, one particular area that I focused in on was food banks. You know, people bring food and, you know, juice and water bottles to these food banks and they're stocked up. And, you know, during certain times of the year, 
they're actually so full that they're, you know, turning some of these items away. But, you know, when I went into them, they were like, they had a couple days worth of feminine hygiene products and they were going out most of the time. They couldn't provide enough for people. So, you know, it's kind of strange that they're all essential products, um, but people only think about bringing food and water and those things and, and clothing to a food bank. But, you know, there's not a whole lot in the conversation about all these other essential mm-hmm. products like feminine hygiene products mm-hmm. that are very important for food banks to keep them going. And even homeless shelters, like you said, you know, it's not sanitary for people to be using other alternatives. Mm-hmm. Um, they need, you know, something that's sanitary and clean that keeps them healthy. Um, and it's an essential product. They have a right um, do you have these things every single day so that's so that's really really cool um, that you mentioned that and you know thinking about this project overall you know where is it going to go like where do you want to go with this like at the end like if you could have like your kind of like dream program maybe it's in Toronto or across Ontario maybe around the world you know what would that look like uh, what would that program look like towards you know ending this stigma and making sure that everyone has access to these products mm-hmm. this is definitely something that I've been thinking about so much more lately but like years ago when I think it was three years ago I was at Humber College I'm acting like I'm so much older than I am but I'm not <laughs> <laughs> when I was at Humber no one was talking about menstruation it was such a new topic and for me to be like researching and reaching out to people there actually wasn't that many contacts fast forward to this time right now there are so many people just like you scott that are absolutely doing the world of a difference being part of the conversation starting the conversation contributing contributing to the movement and where i see myself is providing a helping hand to everybody so i was able to launch the project and do a number of different things be a keynote speaker at a conference, do interviews such as this, help other schools um, start the project themselves. And now I really want to start solidifying a proper outlet or proper platform for people to reach out to me. So people like yourself um, that are working within their own communities, even persons that are still in the school sector that wants to start off in their college or university all across Canada, I want to be able to create some sort of course plan So creating these number of different packages. In the first package, you can pick up a package on how to start the conversation. What are some facts and tricks you need to know to approach your community? Um, How do you approach this type of community? How do you approach this type of community? And then I would go into creating another package on, well, how do you start the project? What what goes into project planning? What goes into the communications? Um, Then I want to create a package on gender inclusivity and the importance of keeping this a gender neutral um, project while you're moving forward to make sure that you're being inclusive and diverse to everybody else. And that's really my forefront right now is trying to create something to pass along to other people. So I can do many of these like one on ones and I will continue to do that. But I want to create a package. You can just go on a website, download it, and then you're, you're starting to go. Yeah, that would be awesome. And, you know, to be honest, like even we've talked now a couple of times. And I mean, you were the one who, you know, inspired me and got me going on, you know, this series that is now going to happen, you know, before it was just, you know, I want to meet up with you. I thought it was really cool what you did. I was going to ask you a couple questions. And then you came along with this great idea. Why don't I talk to, you know, different people that are working around the um, problem with menstruation 
you know, open up that conversation so everyone can hear it. And, you know, I've, I've been telling a couple of people that were in my community that were around the project and they're super excited. Um, so this is going to be, you know, a really cool opportunity and I'm going to love to see um, where your project goes and, and what you come out with in the next couple of years as well. Cause it's uh, definitely pretty amazing and also inspiring. And I think it's so important to get, you know, all sorts of different people involved in the conversation and, you know, my kind of message to everyone is you don't have to know anything about menstruation or period poverty because I think about myself two years ago, I knew nothing at all and no knowledge. You know, if you asked me like what menstruation was like four years ago, I would have gave you about a two sentence maybe answer and that's it. So, um, you know, I, I hopefully this will get everyone, you know, talking and hopefully um, your program will encourage people to, you know, start their own projects and their own communities. And maybe this will branch out. But you're definitely right. There is a lot of individuals all over Canada. Um, so many organizations that I've been seeing popping up talking about this. Um, so it's, it's really incredible to see that it's picked up kind of a lot of steam um, in the last couple of years. And, and hopefully it kind of propels itself into something that is normal and hopefully this conversation in maybe like 20 years they'll be like why are we <laughs> talking about that this is this is a normal uh, normal talking we're subject. gonna look back on this video um, and be like what <laughs> we were part of that that time yeah so it's it's definitely really awesome and you know i i want to thank you so much for being part of this conversation and also i recommend that everyone checks out um, what you have done. I'll have some links in the description so everyone can see the amazing projects you're doing um, as well. But thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Scott. You are still a very big inspiration to me. Um, you doing this in Nova Scotia is inspiring me to continue this project and to find fire yet again, um, to be ignited every single time to continue this. And what you're doing is awesome. I think you're really going to encourage a huge crowd in your community to want to jump on board and support you. So I think you're going to start creating a big team here. And I'm excited to see how the series goes. 